Hello, friends. I'm Luke, and I serve on the music team at Holy Family. We continue to hear stories from people like you who listen to the Holy Family podcast and consider Holy Family your church. And whether you're someone who's constantly on the go, hasn't found a church community where you live to which you can belong, or someone who's wondering about the shape of your faith, we are honored to be with you by sharing these reflections from our Sunday liturgies. We rely on the generosity of our congregation, which includes you wherever you listen, to help our ministry achieve and maintain financial health. If this podcast has been a gift to you, would you consider making a contribution so that we can continue offering resources that welcome questions, curiosities, and doubts? You can make a gift by following the link in our show notes. That's at holyfamilyhtx.org. From Holy Family HTX, an Episcopal church for people without a church, this is the Holy Family Podcast, a collection of ideas about leading a Jesus-centered life. We clearly explore the church's understandings while bringing our own questions, curiosities, and doubts, and we never demand fake agreement. Theological exploration is just better that way. So, let's take a moment of silence as we get ready to contemplate today's ideas. Well, (laughs) if you are still under the impression that Jesus was basically a really, really nice guy, always fun to be around, basically a first century version of Mr. Rogers, whose message was basically, you know, keep on being exactly what America has told you you should always be. Uh, Once again, today's gospel dispels that. I wonder why you are here. I mean, I, I know some of you are here because your spouse or your loved one said, hey, one for me, one for you. So you're going to, going to church this weekend. And that's cool. I'm glad you're here. Uh, I know others of you are here because, you know, you've served God your whole life and it's Sunday. So what else do you do? You get up and you go to church. And that's cool. And I'm glad you're here too. Um, I'm just going to believe that if you're actually here today on a vacation weekend, (laughs) a rainy weekend, where we even have another service tonight, if you're here now, you must actually be trying to lead a Jesus-centered life. And that's good because you kind of have to have that to even hear today's gospel. The ante for today's gospel is a bit of a steep one, if we're honest. Today's gospel jerks us out of all of our expectations and pre-cooked ideas about who Jesus is. I mean, don't forget, Jesus was from a small country village. I can say that I come from a booming metropolis of 8,000 people in the middle of a cornfield. And now he's got a really good career, and people have been really, like, taken by... 
how popular he's getting. He has lots of followers on Instagram and TikTok and he has book deals and he has merch and people are really showing up to when he talks. The text says he has large crowds following him. And in, I mean, this is Texas. By God, if people are coming, you know it's good, right? Who can argue with numbers, especially when it comes to church? Well, I agree with Bishop Will Willimon, who says that too often church professionals, like me, have presented Christianity to people like you as basically the answer to all of the questions that you have. And Christianity is basically a primitive but quasi-effective technique for you to get whatever it is out of life that you want to get out of life so you can fulfill your purpose. And Jesus can help you with that. And if you have doubts, that's okay. We'll make a, a warm place for them to be welcomed. Anxious? Got a prayer service for that at five o'clock. Uh, feeling lonely? Can chap sign you up for a dinner group? I mean, we go on and on and present Christianity too often as you got questions, we got answers, and it's Jesus. You got problems, we got a solution, the B-I-B-L-E. And too often, we just act as if Jesus Christ is not the reason for the church. And we say it's a Jesus-centered thing, but it's really not. It's centered on us and what we want and how we want it and what we want to get out of it, and we all just kind of agree that Jesus Christ is a great tool to get what we want. And then the church makes you read stories like this one. Every Monday, Jason and I sit down together for a preaching meeting, and it's kind of like Chopped, where they open up the box and you say, what are the texts that the church is asking us to read this week? Because we don't make that up. You might not know that. We don't just sit around, because if so, what would happen, right? You would keep getting the same old stuff that I like saying. Now, I know some of you are thinking that I do that anyway, but um, <laughs> let me guess, is it the one where he says God is on the move? Um, so what happens is the church lays out texts and says, these are the texts that you're going to go to. So if you're on vacation and you pop over to another Episcopal church, they're going to read the same text that we are. And it forces you to sometimes say, huh, so we're going to read that one out loud <laughs> with, with people. Okay, cool. I guess I have to talk about that one. And I confess to you that uh, I like to be liked. I like you coming. I like full rooms. So it's like you just want to pull Jesus aside, as the disciples often did, and say, Hey, do you see the crowds? And apparently Jesus thinks the crowds, you know, might have just needed a recalibration. It jerks us out of what our expectations about a Jesus-centered life are. Join Jesus in dissing your parents and despising your loved ones and it, be willing to give away everything you've got to your name. Okay, um, Jesus. It could be that Jesus is aware that people in the crowd were trying to use him as a way to make it in the world. And so... Jesus preaches a harsh sermon. Uh, the last church I served was a rural, uh, rural parish in, uh, in North Carolina. And almost everybody was retired. And, you know, every once in a while, when I actually had the guts to be a preacher, uh, they would walk out and they introduced a phrase to me 
it was one of those churches where the pastor would go to the to the exit and shake everybody's hands out the door. And, uh, you know, people like Mildred and Lori would come up to me and say, well, preacher, you stepped on our toes today. And I had never heard that expression before. But basically, it was a sermon that is kind of like, hey, this isn't going to feel good, but here it is. And uh, Jesus gives one of those stepping on your toes sermons today. And he just tells people, this is going to cost you something. Now, what you might not know is that tonight we are having a confirmation liturgy. It means one of our bishops in our diocese is going to come and confirm people. We have four people from our congregation who are coming tonight to be confirmed. And in many ways, it couldn't be a better text for you. And so while I will not out them, <laughs> uh, this sermon is really for them. And the rest of you can overhear. How dumb would it be for a king to go to war without calculating the army? Or how stupid would the contractor be to just start building and not figure out if they actually have, you know, the, the cash or the stones to complete their project? Jesus Christ says, don't be like that. Count the cost. This is going to be a challenge for you. Now, look, as your pastor, I want to tell you, if anybody asks you to pick up the cross, take Eugene Rogers' advice. If someone comes to you and says, pick up your cross, check their hands to make sure they're not holding a hammer and nails. Because that happens a lot, right? Religious professionals like me tell you to sacrifice, and usually what that means is them telling you to do what they want. Resist that. Jesus Christ comes and he talks about being willing to give up all of your possessions. And while it is true that Jesus Christ is in solidarity with us in our sufferings, I want you to know that that is not the same thing as commanding us to suffer in order to be in solidarity with Jesus Christ. If someone tells you that you must suffer to be close with Jesus, they're just wrong. They're just wrong. You don't have to do that. And... Jesus does not pull wool over any of our eyes when he says the kind of life that he is imagining for you is not an easy one. And anyone who thinks that truly being loving is easy has never really loved before. Anyone who thinks that committing to a life of liberation is going to be an easy one, you've never actually like put your hand to the plow to that yet, have you? Anyone who thinks that you are going to be a life giver rather than a life taker and think that that's just going to be, you know, a walk in the park, Jesus Christ says, get real. You don't know what you're talking about. What God wants for you is a loving, liberating, and life-giving life. And the truth is, it's amazing. The truth is, it's exciting. The truth is, it is worth giving your life to, but you're foolish if you listen to preachers who tell you that it won't cost you anything. Now, maybe I've been a little too harsh on our Lord. And as Bishop Willimon says, I haven't been fair enough to you. You might, like me, be offended by some of Jesus' words, but in a weird kind of way, isn't it nice to have Jesus like take us seriously for once? Aren't you tired of people like me and institutions like this one always peddling unfulfilled promises and pandering to you like social media influencers and saying, please come and fulfill your best life now. Here comes Jesus saying, look, it's not going to be easy. 
but it'll be worth it. Like, I don't know. There's a weird part of me that is just receives that as a breath of fresh air to, that just tells the truth that sometimes life really is hard. It tells the truth that sometimes the things that really matter most actually do cost you something. And it doesn't mean you get ran over, but it just means that you don't have the easy path laid out for you. And that when resistance comes, you don't just pivot and go find something else easier. There is something that I appreciate about a living God who tries to tell the truth to someone like me who is always deduced, or excuse me, duped into thinking that the falsehoods of the world might actually be real. That I don't have to try at anything. I don't have to have a cost to anything. That I can love people in a way that is risk-free. That I can have a world where everyone is liberated and experiences the flourishing of the life without really hard labor. And the truth is, that's just not how this world works. The living God has a loving, liberating, and life-giving vision for this world. And Jesus Christ does want to co-opt you and me into it. But if you're going to do that, you just have to know it's just not, it's just not easy. And I must say, the more that I have sat with Jesus's words this week, the more that I have appreciated the honesty. I have appreciated the upfront message that says, you know, tonight, our confirmands, we're going to stand around the waters of baptism and we're going to reaffirm our baptismal promises that say, so are you actually going to respect the dignity of every person that you meet? Did you know that was one of the questions for baptism and confirmation? Are you going to respect the dignity of every human person? You know what the answer is in the liturgy? I will with God's help. And the more life I live, the more I know that's the only honest answer a Christian can ever give. I will with God's help. Are you actually going to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they like? We ask some questions when we get around the font. Are you actually going to resist evil? And when you don't, will you return to God? Will you respect the dignity of every human being? That's what it means to follow Jesus Christ. And the answer is, I will, with God's help. What this means, my beloved sisters, brothers, and siblings, is that Jesus Christ is not the answer to your problems. And I'm sorry if we've lied to you and told you that he is. Actually, in my pastoral practice, Jesus Christ usually gives you new challenges that you didn't have before you were encountered by him. <laughs> it takes a living God to take you seriously enough to say, what if you actually didn't stand for racism and homophobia anymore and didn't allow it in the name of Jesus? What if you actually tried to find the humanity even in your political opponents? And even if you disagree with what they do behind the closed ballot box, you find a way to respect their dignity anyway. Only a living God will challenge you to that kind of life. And if you've ever actually tried that, I promise you it's not easy. Jesus Christ gives us new challenges. But I know that if you've come here on a rainy holiday weekend, to one of our two services, you came to the early one. <laughs> You're probably the kind of person who thinks, preacher, do anything but waste my time this morning. I've come down here at an inconvenient hour. I got stuck behind a train twice. 
And if all you know how to do is pat me on the head and coddle me into thinking that Jesus Christ doesn't have anything demanding for me, please pass the mic to someone else. But I got to believe if you're the type of person that life always comes a little harder to, or it's always confusing or a little challenging, and if you just can't take one more church cliche, well, there might be good news for you. Leading a Jesus-centered life is not cheap, but it is possible with God's help. It will demand everything you've got, but we all know that important things cost something, right? The important things just don't come cheap. Jesus cuts through the language that we use to trick ourselves to tell us that leading a Jesus-centered life, becoming more loving, liberating, and life-giving doesn't actually come natural to people like you and me. But if we do it with God's help, we may actually be a disciple. find more resources to help you lead a Jesus-centered life at holyfamilyhtx.org. Again, it's holyfamilyhtx.org.